Thank you, Jonah. That was a great prayer, great prayer time. I do extend my um, birthday wishes to Mary Luster. We're related. My great, not my great, but my grandmother, actually, his last name was Luster. She was from Oklahoma, so she's still forgiven. That's good. And Connie, I always liked the name Connie. It was one of my favorite names growing up, so... I just want to read some text this morning. Uh, the, the, the passage that we're going to study is about Mary. But in order to understand what's happening with Mary, you have to take your cell phone out and turn it off. You have to have a little background. And so I'm going to just read. The first part I'm going to read uh, is not on the screen. It's in your Bible. So if you open your Bible to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. There should be a Bible in the chair in front of you if you don't have one. Luke chapter 1. What we're going to talk about this week is the, the fourth truth of Christmas. The fourth truth of Christmas I call the Magnificent Mary. And we can call her Magnificent for a number of reasons, which I hope to paint for you this morning that you can see them. And uh, this is um, a woman, well, let me just read it. We're going to start on verse 26, Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. It would be a miracle for us to see an angel. It would be a greater miracle for the angel said, Greetings, you are favored by the Lord God. The word he uses there is Adonai, and that's, that is the truth. No, he uses the word Elohim. You found favor with Elohim. The same God who created in Genesis 1. Mary has found favor. And then he said to her, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And Mary said to the angel, oh, let me read verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. This is Messiah language. This is Savior language. This is God saying what God's plan is, this, what he has planned. Mary is an actor and a part of this plan. But all of these words relate to what God intended for his people, what God wanted to do for his people. And he said then, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The word used there is, translated virgin because it's what we normally understand that word to mean. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth who has also conceived a son in her old age and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. The relative Elizabeth for Mary 
Mary asked the question, how can this be since I am a virgin? And if you track that, the, the next verse is the answer. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary, and you will conceive in your womb, and there will be creation. Elohim, the God who created it in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, will create in your womb. No male participation. No other human would be involved because there was no desire on God's part to have Mary come and bear a child that had the stain of humanity. He created another perfect person in his image. In fact, him in Mary's womb. The Holy Spirit. So Mary asked the question, the Holy Spirit answered. And the Holy Spirit then gave her a sign. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is pregnant. Mary knew that Elizabeth was not bearing children and that she was a tad older. And there she was. This is a sign for you. Your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. The answer, how shall this come to pass? The Holy Spirit will come over you. The sign, Elizabeth is pregnant. This is a prophecy to Mary because she didn't know this. And the encouragement then comes in that verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And that's what God says to us today. Nothing, as uh, we heard that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If God says it, God means it, and his righteousness can only come out as truth, and he will stand by it forever, by the way, forever. And then Mary said, after the angel confirmed and encouraged her, for nothing will be impossible with God, Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The bond slave there is the word slave, and sometimes we soften that by calling it the bond slave, but it's slave. Mary said, Behold, the slave of Jehovah, the slave of Yahweh, the slave of Elohim who is going to create this baby in me. And then Mary goes to uh, visit Elizabeth. She wants to see if the prophecy is going to come true. And so she goes to see her relative Elizabeth, and it says in verse 39, Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've never had the experience of being married to a woman who got pregnant and having her say the first time, oh, you should feel this. Feel what? Feel this. Feel it. Put your hand right here. You guys experienced that before? Yeah. It is a privilege to feel the baby move in the mother's womb, in her stomach, or her, her womb. And that's what Elizabeth baby did. But the baby just didn't move. The baby leaped. 
Now, the ladies might understand that more. I'll defer to them. And Elizabeth cried out with a loud voice and said, ouch. No, she said, she said, blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, just her voice, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Blessed. Blessed. Let's just pray before we proceed. Lord, help us to hear your truth this morning. It's already been prayed by Jonah. Open our ears to learn from you. Help us to live out the truths that we hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it's impossible uh, to understand the Magnificat, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, the magnificent song that Mary wrote about the events that had taken, spot, taken place until we understand that Mary hadn't had the baby yet. Mary only knew what the angel had told her. And maybe we don't have the complete conversation. Maybe they talked a little bit more and the angel gave her some more insight. But that's what Mary knew. Well, there was more than that that Mary knew. Mary went home and or went to see Elizabeth. And when she saw Elizabeth, she saw the beauty that the angel said she will be with child. And she saw that, Mary, how long have you been pregnant? Well, about six months. She saw the beauty that the angel said six months. And, of course, in those days, they didn't have a sonogram or anything like that. So she said, what do you have in a boy or a girl? Well, the way this thing is carrying, it must be a boy. I mean, it's way out there big. She didn't know. Mary didn't know. But two out of three, Mary took the angel's word for the third one. It will be a boy. And then Mary wrote this beautiful song. She hadn't seen her baby. She hadn't held her baby. But did she know the question that we heard, heard in that song this morning that the, the, the team did such a good job? Mary, did you know? <laughs> she couldn't possibly have known everything, but she knew. He will be called the Son of God. He will be created perfect in your womb. And when you touch his tiny face, you're touching something special. And this is, please believe me when I say, this is not a message about Mary. This is a message about God sending his son. He sent his son to be our savior, to be with Emmanuel. How do you just you have to just get cranked up about that. And I see all of you sitting back there, oh, yeah, wow. It's a blessing. God's plan from the beginning. God's angels make the announcement. God's servant, Mary, has found favor with God. We don't know anything. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'd like to do that. 
because I have so much here to tell you. I want to just tell you. Mary wrote this song, which we call the Magnificat, which comes from a Latin word, actually, a translation of that word, because Magnificat means to magnify, to glorify, to celebrate. The first word in this text, my soul exalts the Lord, the Greek word, is magnify. Magnify. So I'm just going to read the Magnificat, and as I read it, just let the words resonate in your heart. This is Christmas. This is what God intended for us to hear and to know. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. She already knew she was a sinner and she needed a Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Him, his holy is his name. And then she quotes from the Psalms, and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. He has done it all, Mary says. Wouldn't you like to meet Mary's parents? Parents were given the commission in the Old Testament to raise up your child in the way he should go to teach them uh, where the, the flauntlets and everything like that that had the word of God in it. Impart that in your children. Some parents had done a pretty good job on Mary, hadn't they? She knew the essence of what she's singing here because someone had taken the time. Someone had emphasized, someone like Mary or Connie, as they had passed it down one generation to the next. God is going to send us a Savior. God is going to send us a Savior. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And Mary knew that. Mary's role in this part of God's plan is crucial. But the initiative and the plan and everything that happened was God's part. He needed a faithful person. And you can look around the room right here now and just say to yourself, what has God planned for me? Where, why am I here today? As rotten and ornery as I can be sometimes, why doesn't he just snap me shut and take me to heaven? God has a plan. That's what he had with Mary. God has a plan. She is, we look at her this morning and it says uh, in the future you will, she will be blessed. She will be blessed by a lot of people. Bless you, Mary, for bearing the child, but she will not be worshipped. Anyone that holds to that belief that we worship Mary is wrong. 
God's plan. We look at this morning at this woman and we see one who is often minimized or ignored in sermons. We don't want to talk about her because we don't want to create a bubble around her that causes us to revere her because she's not to be revered. She's to be honored and respected. She is a mother. And mothers are a gift to us because God gives them kids to make them mothers. And she did what God asked her to do. We revere that. We love that. So we're often minimized and ignore her in sermons or um, she is venerated as above her place as a godly woman who is found favor with God. She was a woman. She found favor with God. She was not God. She was not immaculate. This was not an immaculate conception. You know and understand that. The immaculate conception concept believes that Mary had lived a sinless life and that Mary was a part of the birth of Christ from the reproductive sense. But we just see that's not true. Mary said, my God, my Savior. She knew that she wasn't perfect and according to God's word and God's plan. She would not be. Mary's role in this part of God's plan is crucial, but the initiative and the powerful work of God are much more, sir, are more so. As I read for you in verses 34. Verse 34 is a question. How can this be? Verse 35 is the answer. An angel of the Holy Spirit, excuse me, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Verse 36 is the confirmation or the prophecy, the prophetic sign. Behold, Elizabeth, your old relative who couldn't have a child at this time or shouldn't, is pregnant. And the encouragement from God to Mary was, for now nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. This is what we know a little bit about Mary. And the question, the response, the answer, and the sign are all significant, and we should, time, should not just read over them. And she stayed with Elizabeth for three additional months because she, I think she wanted to see what's going to happen. She may have even been there at the time of the birth of John. We don't know for sure. Who is Mary? So that answers, for me, a kind of a brief introduction to Mary. But who is she is another point, and I have this kind of information for you. First thing I just want to ask, can you imagine what she must be thinking when she was told she had found favor with God? I mean, can, could she have been so confident in herself that she would say, no kidding, I, I mean, this is good. I expected this. I, I wouldn't say that. Can you imagine how old she was? I think that we, uh, we don't know from the scripture. But some of the ages that are put upon her Leave Mary without uh, maturity. Leave Mary without life experience. Leave Mary with 
a heart, uh, a heart that could not possibly handle the derision that she would take from all those people who said, look at this woman, not even married and pregnant. That takes a strong, strong mind and a strong, strong woman. I think she was older than 13, 14, or 15. And, and I can't put that into context. But didn't, why did she go with Joseph to register for the census? Because she was old enough to be registered, however old that was. We don't know her parents, but we know that they must have done something good because they lived in a town called Nazareth. Nazareth was kind of like, um, anybody can think of another town? It was a mini version of Chicago. Not the blessings of Chicago, but the other side. Chaos and confusion and murder and theft. And yet Mary lived there and Mary found favor with God. She knew her place, and she knew she worshipped God. She knew the language, and she was still a woman and not a person who had done great and mighty things. She knew the Lord and worshipped and revered him. And you can find that, I think, exemplified in verses 26, 28, 30, and finally 38, when she concludes with, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. Why do I call her magnificent? This song says that her words are magnificent. This song says that in her quiet, feminine way, she, she captured the thought of the event that was about to take place. She captured it with these words. It's amazing. Here's a woman that, you know, if the scribes and the Pharisees had had a chance to, to question her or CNN had put a microphone in her face, she would have said, I'm just doing what I have been taught to do. I'm just doing what I've been trained to do. I'm just doing what the word of God says. I'm a servant. I'm a bond slave of the Almighty. Mary exalts the Lord in verse 36. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord. Verse 47, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. She recognizes that this baby has nothing to do with her. It's God's plan. She's just, I don't want to demean her. She's just the, the person that was going to carry God's baby. Precious and dear. Favor with God. The same God that has something for Chuck Reed. The same God that has something for, for Bridget. The same God that has something for each one of us here. Verse 49, the mighty one, God the holy one is the creator and gift. It says, for the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. She recognizes it. And then Mary begins to exalt his name in a special way. In scripture it says in verse 50, and his mercy is upon generation after generation. And let me just expand that for what it really says. 
in Psalm 103, verse 17, it says, But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. His loving kindness, his long suffering, his patience, his hesed love is on and is available from God to take care of us. And that's what he does for each one of us, for generation to generation, and to our children's children if we teach them in accordance with God's word. It doesn't mean that we can save our children. It means that we can teach our children. We can part, impart knowledge. You see those little kids go out of here today? They're being taught. Little, little Abigail and Levi and Asher. All that herd of kids, they're being taught the word of God. We can look in our past and say that somebody taught us something back there. But there's another verse in Psalm 103 that says this. His righteousness to, his, to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. His covenant that whosoever believes in me shall not perish. His precepts are love God and love one another. He's got the easy job, right? <laughs> we have to weigh that one again. But God is a covenant-keeping job, a God. When he promises a Savior, he keeps his promises. When he promises a baby born of a virgin in the line of Judah, he keeps his promises. When he promises to rescue his faithful, he keeps his promise. Then he keeps his promise. Now he will keep his promise in the future. His holiness, his righteousness will not let him back out. I can't annoy him enough, and I'm, I'm amazed at that. When he says to pray for whoever believes in me will not perish, but have eternal life, he keeps his promise. He cannot take it back. When he says the Spirit of God will live in me forever, I can't get rid of him. I can't evict him. He's there. I should do my happy dance. He's allowing me to live because he put his spirit in my soul. Verse 51 says, He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. Anybody ever seen a miracle here? Did you see someone get healed that wasn't supposed to get healed? Did you see someone come to know Jesus, which is a miracle that you thought would never come to see Jesus? Did you see something turn around that you didn't expect? Yes. Verse 52, the humble will be exalted and the proud will suffer. Some people might say that, um, I'm just going to throw this in here because you need it. Some people might say, you know, I've heard this. When I die, I'm going to be all, with all my friends at that big party in hell. 
How many? <laughs> no. The truth of that is, God says there's a place called hell that's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and darkness and loneliness and not fun. It's the other place where they have everlasting life. It's called heaven in the presence of God where there is an infinite number of ice cream flavors where they never run out of chocolate chips. Come on. Where we're in the presence of God 100% of the time. I don't know how that works, but I know that's where I want to be. I don't want to be in that whatever they call it in hell. It won't be a party. God takes care of that. He gives, he says, you younger men likewise, be subject to your elders and all of you Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. <laughs> Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Humble yourself. Take that smug look off your face. Quit acting like you've got it made. Quit acting like you're holding four aces in the hand of life. Humble yourself. It's hard to love one another if we don't humble ourselves. The hungry will be filled, he says, and he has given help to his people Israel. The rich will be sent away, not because they are rich, but because they were greedy and selfish. Riches sometimes leave people thinking they don't need God, but Mary says all this. She knows all this because she has the scriptures in her mind. And Mary has a good theology, I think. She didn't exalt herself. She recognized that God had given her a blessing. She recognized that she didn't earn it. She knew the promises God had made to Abraham. She knew that God had changed his name and given him a son and named him. She knew the promised land of Canaan belonged to the Israelites. She knew that the promise to David that his tribe of Judah would rule and reign in the future. She was of that tribe. She knew that the Messiah would rescue Israel from captivity and rebuild the temple, not the one that set in Jerusalem at that time. She knew Emmanuel was coming. And if she had discerned it correctly, she was carrying him, Emmanuel. Mary, did you know? She didn't know yet the mystery of the church. She didn't realize her baby would have to sacrifice to save all the world. But she knew that baby lying in that manger wrapped in cloths with the fragrant of aroma of the barnyard. She knew that she and Joseph were essentially very poor. She knew that she had been an unmarried woman, a pregnant unmarried woman, and she had heard all the discouraging words and the, the backbiting that went on with that. 
she knew his name would be Jesus, which means Jehovah saves. Mary knew. Don't get tired of looking at what she knew because those are the things that we should know. Those are the things that we should be able to recite. He came as the Son of God, fully man and fully God, and all the signs that she had been given proved it, and all the signs she would be given later on would confirm it. To marry her understanding and her faith and her obedience is what brought her that gift from God. God has a gift for us, doesn't he? He gives us a spiritual gift so that we can do something for him today, where we are today. And he gives us family. He gives us community. He gives us homes so that we can love God and love his people. And one day we will hear him say, you found favor with God. Well done my good and perfect servant. Mary closes, but, but nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. A baby came to Mary. She handled it magnificently. The baby became a man and more than the Messiah that Mary had hoped for. And he became more than a blessing just to her, but to all of us. everyone who would believe in him. He shared the gift of eternal life by his sacrifice, the greatest, given, the greatest gift ever given is yours for the asking. Actually, you don't even have to ask, you just have to accept God is offering. You can't sit here and say, I've been in church every Sunday for all my life and be assured you have that gift unless you ask for it. You can't sit here and say, my parents always bring me to church. Well, you can't say you have that gift unless you receive the one that's being offered by him. Mary knew. Mary knew. And she took the greatest gift ever offered and conducted herself magnificently. We always like to, <laughs> in my perspective, there's a lot of things when you're raising children that make you want to undo their lives, you know, which way, my way, slap them a little bit. Mary dealt with Jesus as mom. She loved her oldest son. She knew that he was a gift from God because the angel had told her. This morning, uh, Mary, you know, as Mary did, she made the choice to obey the her Lord. And if she were here now, she would want us to know that we had made the decision to follow God and accept his promise. That's the gift. That's the gift we have. And the things that we can do, I think I put four things at the last there on my PowerPoint. I 
have made the decision. I've talked about the first four, first three Mary knew and took the risk of her life. She was magnificent. She is honored and considered blessed. And then have you made the decision yourself to follow God and accept his promise? That's Christmas. That's truth. Let's just close in a word of prayer as you, as, as the word of God hangs in your ear and hangs in your heart. Just think about that. Think about going home this afternoon and just picking up your Bible and reading about Mary. The story about Mary is about God and God taking a young woman and shaping her and molding her into a clean vessel that he could use to be the mother of of his son. And his son would then be a blessing to us by giving us salvation. Father, this morning, with you looking on and the word of God still in our ears, now is the day we commit to you, Lord, that you are our Savior. It is not difficult. You've made the offer, and if anyone hasn't received the offer, they just need to say that they repent of their bad behavior and they want you to be their Savior. But for all who have already received him, may we be willing to exercise our lives in such a way that God can say, you have found favor with me. I love you. Come with me into my kingdom. I just ask this this morning, Lord, in your holy name. And Lord, I ask for every family here that if there are members of that family that do not know you this morning, that you would place your spirit in a position to draw them into your kingdom. May we all be together. I pray this in Jesus' name, the Messiah. Amen.